So, last time we were here, and we got uh, the first six verses about the women, but we rehearsed what it said about the servants and then Christ's example in the previous chapter, and then we preluded what it's going to be the men because of the word likewise. And because of the word likewise, then let's go back to chapter 2. And just again, just touched on that. Of course, in, 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 when we're talking about the women, and when we talked about the servants, and we're talking about the men in subject or subjection, and we dealt with, with that being under the power and dominion of as another. Does it talk about that uh, necessarily to the men, except for we understand and know that we're under Christ, it doesn't talk about being subject as a man, as a husband, which we're dealing with here. But the fact that as we fall under and as we fall into our place, like we rehearsed before, that it is thankworthy in chapter 2, verse number 19. It's worthy of thanks if you are in the right place. It is acceptable with God, verse 20 of chapter 2, just like it was with the servants falling under in their place. If, there, if, you're, if we fall in line with our Christian walk, then it is acceptable with God. And again, we could go back to Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, that acceptable, that, that acceptable will of God. Sometimes, I've, you know, seeking the will of God in my life, I've asked my pastor, and he's like, I can't tell you the will of God for your life. And, uh, but there is a will of God for our lives. There are certain scriptures that specifically say this is the will of God that we can apply to our lives. But then others are just being guided by the Holy Spirit. Now, if, if what your flesh comes up with and you come up to me and say, I believe it's the perfect will of God for me to go to New York City and become a lawyer, I think, wait a minute, might want to, or, or just, just for a move, we're going to move to this bigger town, I got a, 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 an opportunity, this greater job, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. One of the very first words that's going to be coming out of my mouth is, is there a church for you to go to? <laughs> is there a good God-honoring, Bible-preaching church for you to get into, get there in your family, so on and so forth? And uh, because if there's not, then I don't believe it would be the will of God. And uh, just based, just point to the scripture of why are you making the decisions you think that you're making? Is it the flesh talking? You know, well, heart, you know, times are hard. We got to do what we got. Sure, times are hard, but God's still in control. Amen. I mean, and you know, I'm just saying. Uh, so there are some things, and it's been, and, and I've missed the will of God in my life at times. And then uh, at times I've, you know, in, in where I was at, then it's been, and whether it was the will of God or not, it was just hard to tell sometimes, but I can look back and see that even though there was times I might have been out of place, God still somehow, some way taught me a lesson in that place, kind of like Jonah. <laughs> it was not 
the will of God for Jonah to run from God. It was not the will of God for Jonah to go down in the, in, you know, in the, the belly of the whale. If he, belly of the whale. Yeah, if he had just straight, went straight to, no, uh, to Nineveh, none of that would have happened. But he learned some lessons in the belly of the whale. And, and we see that, you know, there's lessons by the brook. And it, in the perfect will of God, the brook dried, dried up. And in the perfect will of God, he was sustained by the widow. The flesh would have said, wait a minute. When I first sat down here by the brook, the water was running a whole lot more than it is now. Now it's just a trickle. And the flesh says, oh, wait a minute. There's no water, Lord. What are you doing? Flesh would question God in that. But God said, well, rise up. There's a widow lady that I've commanded to sustain you. And that was the will of God. And so the flesh sometimes questions where we might be anyway. I don't know where I got off on that. But, and then so it's acceptable with God if we fall under these, pretex, uh, the, these pretenses of the Scripture. And then in verse number 21 leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Christ, and again we pointed out the fact that he succumbed under the will of God in death, even the death of the cross. And he's prayed to the point where he was sweating drops of blood in anguish. Not my, but then he come to the point where it says, "Not my will, but thine be done." Sometimes the will of God is difficult. Think about men that's been on the mission field for forty years, being on the mission field in the will of God, going through what they're going through as a country, having to. And then his health and so on and so forth. But he testify that he's in the will of God and he appreciates us being able, and, us, and us and others keeping him there by, by our gifts of support. So we make our way. So we talked about the wives and we're going to probably mention the wives a little bit because it's hard to mention, just like it's hard to mention a wife without a husband and a husband without a wife. And he's dealing with, and that's another thing too. I know. Lots of times I've mentioned with women, but I got to be careful because it's not just women and men in this texture, in the text of scripture. It's wives and husbands, and of course he gets everybody here in verse number eight. But I don't think we're going to get there. <clears throat> so verse number seven, likewise. So likewise being thankworthy, likewise being acceptable, likewise being. An example, Christ being our example. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them. That's the wives we just dealt with the last time in the earlier scriptures here. Dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife. I'm going to pause at our very comma because we can look at each little phrase and deal with it. Giving, uh, let's see here, giving honor unto the wife. As unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for the day. Again, thank you, Lord, for the word of God. I pray, Lord, that we will take the 
the precepts and the instruction that we find in the Word of God apply it to our lives and our homes, Lord, as husbands and wives, and uh, Lord, as uh, the older women instructing the younger women and the older men instructing the younger men that we find in other scripture. I pray that we will uh, lead and direct those coming up behind us in the things of God. pray and ask that you will just, again, touch and direct in the message, and we'll thank him in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I was going to joke around, and I forgot it. Uh, Brother Chris has seen it. I've got, a, I've got a Bible over there. It's about, it's about this, this big around, but it's this thick. And what it is, is a, it's an interleaf Bible. Every other page in the Bible is a blank page with lines on it. So it's about that thick. And I was going to bring it, not showing you that it was a Bible, and just put it up here. And when it says, likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, I was going to say this is volume one of a 500 volume set on women. (laughs) And we're still writing, trying to learn the knowledge. But it says, ye husbands dwell with them. And, And again, just... To reiterate, again, because of the likewise, when we, when we dealt with in our last lesson in this, in this chapter, likewise, ye wives be in subjection unto your own husbands. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, we, we dealt with the own part. The own husbands. Falling in subjection under, under them, and then we're dwelling as a husband with our wives dwell with them. Of course, them is in italics here, in, but we're dwelling with the wife. We're not running. And I know some young couples. In fact, wisdom from my son-in-law, Jacob. Well, I got two son-in-laws in Jacob. Jacob and Muskogee. My Muskogee Jacob, son-in-law. There's some wisdom coming from his parents. So at that time, there was a, several young, single young people around his age that was in the church that they had been in the youth group coming up. And I think out of all of them, he was the first, Jacob was the first to get married to Rebecca. You know, and so game nights at somebody's house, and, you know, um, there's a, 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 without, there's a black young man and young woman, their brother and sister, that, uh, how they come about getting saved, and one thing or another, going to their church, I don't know, but their family is, you know, lost, let's just put it that way. And as a saved young man and young lady, brother and sister, they, they can't fellowship with their family in their sin. So the church family, Jacob's mom and dad, and the church family kind of just took them in, like we do as a, fam- as a church family. And lots of times when it comes to holidays, Christmas, Thanksgiving, the brother and sister couldn't go to their family. 
They're living in crack houses or whatever. They're living in dens of iniquity. They're not going to have a turkey on the table. So Jacob's family pretty much just pulled them on in and said, you know, so Christmas time, they got, when all the family got pajamas at Christmas time, they were included in the pajamas at Christmas time. When the Thanksgiving dinner was served, they're at the table as, as a son and daughter, as a brother to, and a sister to, to my son-in-law, Jacob. That being said, they were really close, Jacob and, and the young man. Jacob's parents said, you know, when you get married, things are going to be a little bit different. Jacob said, what do you mean? Well, he, they said, you know, this, there's going to be a difference with you as a married man than as a single man. When and they called his name, calls you up, wants to go play basketball, <laughs> you might not be so free just to let go and go play basketball because you will be now attached to a wife. And when the, the young people in the church, and, and not saying that they couldn't, but, but as a married couple, and for those married couples that understands this, there's certain knowledge as a married couple that single people don't know about. And even though they may know about certain things just because of, but there's still, there's just something about a married couple, the, the things that they share, the intimacies, intimacies that they share, and it's just some of these unspoken, every married couple knows, but nobody talks about it. And he said, you know, even when you're with the other young people, say at a game night or something like that, it's going to be different. You, you, you it'll just, the, the whole uh, dynamics will change because you will have a wife. You won't be as free. You're supposed to be dwelling with your wife, not running and steal with you. But I had to learn a little bit of that. When I got first got, I mean, like we're talking about, Days after I got married, I've learned. Like I said, the longer we're together, the more we're stuck to each other. Uh, it's funny, and sometimes we kind of sort of plan it, you know, as we're getting ready. We just kind of see what color she's got on when I'm trying to pick out my tie <laughs> or my color of my shirt. Or sometimes I'll already be dressed and she'll see what color shirt that I've gone. So not that, I mean, just, we're not, just, we're just getting that way. And sometimes we don't even have to look. She puts on what she's going to put on, I put on what I'm going to put on, and we wind up matching anyway. So we're just, it's just happening that way nowadays. But it says dwell with them, and this dwell is the fact that you're living together, you're sharing the home together, you're sharing... Um, the, the bedchamber together, your cha- a lot of this dwelling is not just cohabitating. You know, roommates cohabitate. This is different. There's a, there's, a cert- there's a certain intimacy there that belongs with a husband and wife that 
non-married, and even though they may be a couple living together, there's something that happens when you take the vows that you don't have before the vows. And it says, dwell with them according to knowledge. We need to learn our wives, husbands. And I hate to say it. All right. We need to learn our wives and what their, their likes. We need to learn their wives and their dislikes. And I'm not, if you're not this way, I'm, I'm just saying the way I am. The way we are through the years. I know her colors. She knows my colors. I know what style that she... In fact, you know, I know what styles of clothes and blouses and skirts and colors and textures and so on and so forth. We'll be out together and I'll hold something up. Say, this would go really good with such and such skirt. And she says, you're right. Or I'll just be able to go and buy her an outfit. And it'll fit, number one, I know her size. <laughs> I know her colors. I know her likes. I know her because I have learned her. Knowledge comes from a learning. Knowledge of the math. you got to start in a book. One plus one. <laughs> English. I know Brother Chris has talked with Miss Debbie about some of the Parts of speech and things like that in the past. You got Brother Chris Matthews and his family in that foreign country having to learn the language. Knowledge comes from learning. It's not going to happen overnight. These young couples that just get married, they're still learning. You know, Lisa had to learn that the toilet paper goes over the top. (laughs) And not from behind, right? I mean, that's knowledge. That's something everybody has to learn. I'm just kind of being funny there, but you learn each other. And it comes in time. And the more time that you put into it, the better knowledge, knowledge, the more knowledgeable you'll become. You have these young fellas that they just think that they're going to get married and keep on doing what they did as a single man. It's not going to happen that way. It shouldn't happen that way. And that's why a lot of marriages end in an early few years of their lives because they've not taken the time to learn their wives. I, I like this here. I put it, I had it in my old Bible. I just put tape on it, cut it out of a piece of paper. The English philosopher F.H. Bradley quoted, Adam knew, he, knew Eve his wife and she conceived, unquote. And he observed, quote, It is a pity that this is still the only knowledge of their wives at which some men seem to arrive. They just know their wife in that way, and that's it. You need to learn what their likes are, what their dislikes are. Sad to say I know which buttons to push to set her off, like we're talking atomic explosion. And sad to say there have been a time or two that I've pushed those buttons on purpose. Same on me. Likewise, she knows, well, hopefully she's learning which buttons to, to push on me. And, and, and really, it wasn't just in the last couple of years. And, and there was a, a misunderstanding most of our marriage. 
And it was just, she was pushing this button, and I'm like, this is what happens when you do this particular thing. And the way I react, the way that I do. And she goes, well, I don't mean to be this when I say things like that. And I'm like, well, this is the way I'm taking it. And she says, okay, I understand. So we, we, we jumped a hurdle in our marriage in recent years. Probably since we've been here, actually. So we're still learning each other. Dwell with them according to knowledge. So take time. And I understand the cycles of life. We started early as far as having children goes. Three and a half weeks after we were married, the first one was on the way. So I, I was in, and I was in Sicily our first year of marriage. So I, we were together four weeks, and then I went to Sicily on a remote tour in the Air Force. I come home when the ba- and so it worked, it just worked out to where she had to stay with my mom in Tennessee. She stayed there with my mom in Tennessee instead of with her parents. And I got leave when the baby was due. Oh, I had two weeks of leave. I was home a week, and the baby was born, and I left when she was a week old. So out of our first year of marriage, we were together the very first four weeks, and then two we- nine months later, two weeks, and then our first anniversary, I was in Sicily, and she was in Tennessee. So I come back a year and a month later to a wife that I didn't know except the way that that philosopher meant. We never had cohabitated together. We never even got to the toilet paper part yet. <laughs> and, I, and I had a wife, and I had a three-month-old girl. So it wasn't just having the time to learn my wife and her to learn me. We had a baby involved, and so that took some of the time away from that learning experience. I wouldn't do anything different. I really wouldn't, but that was just, but then there are couples that have had the opportunity to dwell together without the distractions, and not to say that I don't love my children, but I'm just saying in a young marriage, as you're raising children, lots of times dad's busy bringing home the bread, and mom's busy taking care of the house and raising up the children. And unless you make a concerted effort to have time to learn each other, to set a time to do things for each other, then you can get so busy earning the bread and taking care of the children that you will, the children will grow up and they'll leave house and you'll look at each other and say, do I know you? Aren't we, I think we're married, right? He's been doing his thing for 18 years plus, and she's been doing her thing for 18 years plus, and now they're looking at each other and going, oh, yeah, I'm married to you, ain't I? And lots of times, especially when you know, I, I have a family member, I, I've stayed with them once, once, <laughs> twice, but my family stayed with them once. It was just me and my son the next time. But I went in into their kitchen, and they have, uh, you know, the little dry erase calendar for the, for the month. And they had it all filled out in different colors. You know, <laughs> the dad had a color, and the mom had a color, and the boy and the girl had a color. And they had all their, and it was, you know, 
work and soccer and, and this and that and this and, you know, and I'm like, when do they ever, when are they ever home? They had times, you know, just constantly on the run. And I'm like, how do, how do they have family time? Where's mom and dad time in that? So it's important to, to take the time to learn each other, to dwell according to knowledge. Husbands, love your, I mean, know your wives, learn your wives, study your wives. And it says, giving honor unto the wife. And then there's two words here, as. One commentator I was reading after took those words as and put in particular in this area. Or this is how. So giving honor unto the wife first as the weaker vessel. giving honor as a weaker vessel. We've talked about this before, and I still haven't read all of your response, or I, I, I just couldn't read. I was going to go back and read it again. Your response to my family. Let's just get this vessel up here. This is, I mean, I could probably, you know, throw this up and come crashing down. It would probably break. So there's the vessel. And even though it's got some rigidity to it, and it's not super fragile, it's not steel, it's not iron, this would be a weaker vessel. It's breakable. Husbands, we're to give them honor as unto the weaker vessel. You know, we're the, now, and we can, and we're going to probably go to Proverbs 31 here a minute, but think about this. And, and I know we're getting ready to have Mother's Day, and we're to honor, and it's the same word there, honor thy father and thy mother, show them respect, to, 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 to raise them up, in a place of respect, not to the point where... I, I like what my father-in-law said as my pastor. No, was he my pastor? He wasn't my pastor then. What my father-in-law said is he conducted Lisa and I's wedding. Lisa and my wedding. He went over to the scripture in Genesis, and he talked about how that God took a rib from Adam and made a woman. And he said, God took a bone out of Adam's side. God didn't take a bone out of Adam's foot to make a woman because he didn't want woman to be treaded on. And he said, God didn't take a bone out of Adam's head to make a woman because he didn't want the woman to usurp authority over the man. He said, but God took a bone out of man's side because he wanted them to walk together. Side by side. And there's a place, and again, what is thankworthy, what is acceptable with God, is when we fall into our proper places. And I preach a message. I preach a message. I've only preached it twice. Each time the pastor's resigned. 
one that night after I preached it, and the next time, uh, the following week, I guess the church voted on them out or whatever, how that worked. But I preached a message on out of order. And there is a certain order in the Word of God on the, church, on the home, and there's a certain order in the church. And what I got, what, where, where we got down to, it wasn't the homes that was out of order, it was the churches that was out of order. And in those two churches, the two times that I've preached it, but I said, well, one thing about it, whenever I preached it, I said, now they know and they're going to answer to God for God's word. And I gave them the order of, of the way that the, the church was supposed to be ran in those churches. Um, but honor. We're to lift them up and put them in their proper place, and we're to honor them in their place. As the weaker vessel, it says. So the word as, I've got it highlighted in my notes, as a weaker vessel. As a weaker vessel, if I'm handling that, husbands, if I'm handling this, I'm going to handle it with some care. Going back to what I did, you know, when I spoke of Psalm 23, husbands and wives in those two places, the shepherd cares for the sheep. The husband cares for the wife. The husband cares for the wife as a weaker vessel. You know, she's got utility. We're going to see that in Proverbs 31. There's utility here, but she's not, she's not, the, she's not the foundation of the home. That should be Christ. She's not the, she's not the, um, the structure of the home. If you want to put it that way, you know, the building, the, the, what holds up the roof, she's not the walls of the home. She's the decoration of the home. <laughs> she's, the, she's, the, um, she's the ongoing inner workings of the home. She's not the shelter. She's not what holds, holds the, the roof up. That should be the man. So many times men will say, here, woman, go make us a living. <laughs> That's not her place. And I know there's women that works, so on and so forth. I, I, there's an article or something here that I ran across. I didn't listen to the whole thing or read the whole thing, but what it was having to deal with was the woman making a bigger salary than the man. And so allowing the woman to be the breadwinner and the man to stay home and raise the kids, it's just out of order. You get things out of order... <laughs> then it just doesn't work right. You might pay the bills, but there's just something about the man being, the man doing his job and in, and in his place and the wives being, doing their job and being in their place. And the husband should to, should as a weaker vessel, and again, that's not saying that the woman can't do. We're going to see that in Proverbs 31. That's not saying that the woman doesn't have any Brains. That's just saying how that we're supposed to take care of them as the weaker vessel. We're to care for them. We're to protect them. If I was going to ship this across country, I would put, wouldn't just throw it in a box. I would put protection around it. I would put something to cradle it to keep it from breaking because it's a weaker vessel. 
If it was a steel pipe, like a man, I'd just throw it in the box. It's, it's not going to break in transit. But this would break in transit, potentially. I would protect it. I would care for it as the weaker vessel. Again, not saying it don't have any utility, not saying it's, it's whatever, but I'm going, to, I'm going to acknowledge it, the fact that it's weaker, and I'm going to care for it in that way. But, that being said, God made men and women differently. This is kind of in the news, isn't it? <laughs> it was in Oklahoma news here, what, last week? When they said when the people's born and we're just going to put male and female. Because there is a difference. A biological difference. When that child grows... And they go through puberty. The boys will turn into men. They'll gain some muscle. They'll gain some strength. They'll gain some speed, hopefully, unless they're like me, roly-poly, you know. I was speed going downhill. Watch out, because there ain't no stopping this dude. <laughs> and, and as the woman, as the girl grows into a woman... She becomes tender. She should become tender. And there's a difference there. God made a difference. And God has a place for each of us. And we as husbands should dwell with them. According to knowledge, we should learn our wives. We should give honor to them as a weaker vessel. And then let's go ahead and get the other as. So in particular, as a weaker vessel, but then as being heirs together of the grace of this life. The Mormons will take this verse of Scripture. That phrase in that verse of Scripture. And they will build, they've built a whole false doctrine around it. Saying that, you know, they're going to inherit a planet in eternity and they're going to populate the whole planet. <laughs> All their families going to be together. That's why they're big in genealogy down on this side of life. I know a man, a preacher... I know a preacher that believes, and he uses this verse of Scripture, that when they get on the other side of life, it's going to be him and his wife. But then I just read it to you the other day, we're talking about the resurrection. I read you Matthew's account. There's Mark's account. But for tonight, I'm going to use Luke's account because of the way Luke penned it, the words he used. In Luke chapter 20, verse number uh, 33, of course, again, it's going, to the, going back to those that, the Sadducees that tempted, you know, the Lord and asking him about all those seven brothers that had the same wife, each one of them dying and each one of them not raising up a seed to an heir. In Luke's account, Jesus answering, so therefore... In the resurrection, whose wife of them is she? For seven had her to wife. And Jesus answering said unto them, The children of this world marry. Where? This world. The children of this world marry and are given in marriage. But they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world, the future world, post-death, and the resurrection, 
So worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage, neither can they die anymore, hallelujah, for they are equal unto the angels and are the children of God being the children of the resurrection. Now that the dead are raised, even Moses showed at the bush when he calleth the Lord, uh, the Lord, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, for he is not the God of the dead but of the living, for all live unto him. So again, going back to verse 36 and even before that, but we're, we're neither marry or given in marriage, neither can they die anymore, for they are equal in or with the angels. Look, we're just going to be children of the resurrection. We're going to be children of God. We're heirs of grace. That's here in this life. And again, this goes back to what we dealt with with the women. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Uh, when it talked about the women, the wives winning their husbands with their chaste conversation. Coupled with fear, who's and not the outward adorning, but that hidden man wins the heart of the husband, the lost husband. And then on this side, we're talking about the grace here, because we read in Galatians, if you want to turn and read there, Galatians chapter 3, most of you know it. Galatians 3. Ephesians, Galatians. Because, you know, there are some uh, peoples of this world, religions of this world, that puts down women. Multiplicity of wives, and they're treated like livestock. Um, my father was in Saudi Arabia for... He was working as a he was working at a power plant over there as a as a a machine uh, a machinist, helping them build a power plant, helping them learn to run the power plant. The Saudis, of course, they had other nationals there. So while he was there, before he brought my stepmother over and my sister, you know, he would be invited down to an, a Saudi's home, and they ate on the floor with pillows. But all the men would sit in there. And when the women come in and serve them, then they had to cover up because nobody was supposed to see their wives except for them. And they would serve the men, and just the men would sit there with their left hand behind their back, and they would eat with their right hand. That's another story. But, but the women had to, had to separate themselves away from the men, and the women and the children had to be well, that's not the way we do it in America. We just all sit down as a, you know, family style. You've been a guest in the home, family style. And uh, here in Galatians, in chapter number 3, verse number 26, for ye are all, key word there, the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. So we're talking salvation. And, and he, here in First Peter, he said that, uh, you are heirs, heirs together of the grace of life. 
So here in Galatians, he's dealing with this. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. So the, the race, if you want to put it, that doesn't matter. There is neither bond nor free. And again, there's the master and the servant. You can have a saved master and a saved servant. There is neither male nor female, so there's the sex covered, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye the seed, uh, Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So again, we are heirs together of the grace of life. In salvation, men and women... Male, female, we just read it, are equal. You know, it's not just for the men. It's not just for the Jews. (laughs) Hallelujah. You know, it's not just for the the masters. Salvation, we're all free and we're all all heirs according to the promise. And we're all, how did I put it? We're all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So as a husband and a wife in 1 Peter here, again, we can share that grace because we're heirs of the grace and we can, being heirs together of the grace of this life, we can share that as a husband and wife team. And, and we can share that equally, which makes the home so much better. And again, I think it goes back up to winning You know, because this is the same context of Scripture where it deals with, obviously, a lost husband up here before and and winning that lost husband. But then, and we're talking to the husbands, we're to dwell with them as a weaker vessel, but we're to dwell with them in, in equality as far as a brother or sister in Christ. As a child of God, that's a way to put it. You know, not that... There are, in Christ, as a child of God, they're not up or down. We're equal. And we have the grace of God that while we're here operating as a couple, that we can share in that. And we're to give honor unto the wife in that way. There was a time that I was asked a question by another preacher's wife. The preacher wasn't there. It was a Bible question, and I answered the question. And my wife was like, Lisa was like, why didn't you? You never, I'm like, well, you never ask. <laughs> why don't we ever? And so, you know, we've talked about since then. It was kind of one of those learning experiences. Being able to talk about the things of God openly and questions that comes up. And, and there's times that, you know, in her studies that she will see something that God showed her and she'll share that with me. And I'm like, that's pretty good stuff. And, um, you know, not that she's usurping authority or trying to teach me. It's just that God showed her and, and other women, God, you know, in their studies, God speaks to them. And, and again, they're a child of God just like I'm a child of God. There's no... We're level there. We're heirs together there. We can learn from each other there. We can serve God together equally there. And that's the grace. We've experienced the same grace. 
We are both heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And in that relationship, going back because of that as, we're to give honor unto the wife. Not to put her down in another level there because as a child of God, we are on the equal. Jew and Greek, male, female, master, servant. She can learn from the word of God just like I can learn from the word of God. She can maybe, if she was saved before me, be stronger in the Word of God than I am. Because she's walked a little farther. My, you know, my grandmother was pretty, pretty straight and pretty wise. There's been times when, you know, she's put her finger on my nose and put me, put me in my place, pointing things of the Scripture out that I had wrong. And then let's just turn, before we get to the prayers, not hinder, let's turn to Proverbs, well, yeah, Proverbs 31. Well, let's go, yeah, Proverbs 31. Again, this honor, and, yes, sir. Sure. I think it possibly could be applied that way, and it might be that way. And I'm preaching it the other way. But you could look at it that way, and if if that if we want to stay in that same context, because well, I mean, uh, if we wanted to stay in that same context and go along those lines of thought, then um, well, I can see maybe my no, 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 no. I'm just saying it gives you. Uh, mm, 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 mm. I don't know. Right. So, yeah, we're going to look in Ephesians here in a minute in First Corinthians, but Proverbs thirty-one. Going back to the wife. Proverbs thirty-one and verse number ten. Very familiar passage of scripture. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. Now we know that this is, you know, the chapter here and these, these verses here is virtuous woman and it's brought out at Mother's Day, a whole lot of preaching. It's brought out in some of the ladies' meetings and, and so on and so forth. And, and uh, you know, women's Sunday school and so And it's a great study, um, a women's study, but... I'm just going to point out the three times here in this passage that the husband's mentioned. And this is the first one of them. Again, the husband, going back to dwelling with them in knowledge, the right kind of relationship here, the husband hath doth safely trust in her so that he hath no need of spoil. That means 
looking for love in a different place, if you want to put it that way. He can trust in her. He knows that she is going to be there for him and for him only when when he gets home. And then, verse number 12, she will do him, that's her husband, good and not evil all the days of her life. That's the virtuous woman. The one that does virtuously. Lives right, according to the scriptures. Uh, And then verse number 28. Let me, there's four, four verses of scripture here. Well, if we, if we do that. Her husband, verse number 23, her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. That's, that's where the decision-making was going on. That's, the, that's where the government was at, the gates. Lot sat in the gates. Probably it was the mayor of Sodom or something like that. At least one of the elders or at least one of the city councilmen. But... You know, so the home goes. I mean, it makes a good name is rather to be chosen in great riches, and and your family and your home will create a name in a community. And the way that you wives love your husbands, follow your husbands, fall under the subjection of your husbands, uh, 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 lead and guide your home, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna leak out, (laughs) and it is actually going to bring. Um, knowledge of your home to the positive of your husband. Her husband is known in the gates. There's men like Brother Ronnie Sutton. There's men like Brother uh, C.R. Kirtman. Uh, There's men like Sammy Allen. Uh, I'm trying to think, and even I think in the later years, Brother Stenet Ballou, three of them are gone to glory. But Brother Sammy Allen, he he probably traveled out of 52 weeks of the year. He was probably preaching in his home church every Sunday, most Sundays, most every Sunday, and then he would preach out away from his church, you know, 48 of the 52 weeks a year. Thereabouts. He was gone all the time. Never took his wife with him. Always by himself. Or maybe a little bit less than that, but a lot of, a lot of the weeks of the year. Brother Kirkman, I mean, he, he come through here with his wife, but all the other times that I'd ever seen Brother Kirkman, maybe save one, I'd never seen his wife. The only time that i ever seen Sister Sutton in all his travels <laughs> was when we went travel down to Unity. I met her there. Um, and then Brother Ballou, like I said, later later years, he he traveled and was gone weeks at a time, you know, uh, and his wife stayed at home. And in I said all that to say this, you know, of course they would correspond with their wives, call their wives, be in touch with their wives while they were gone. But when you get to know their wives, you get to thinking about. Those men being gone. I, when I was on deputation and was traveling, there's one, uh, two times, two times that I had a meeting that I did not take Lisa with me. The rest of the time, I took my, I took my wife and my family. All the kids, we, we, we was on the road. 
And I, I actually was asked by a missionary that um, in a meeting in North Carolina. I said, and he just he was sitting next to me at dinner, and he said, "Do you always take your family with you?" I said, "Up until now, yes." <laughs> I did it for several reasons. One, um, because if I, if a church is supporting a missionary, the family says a lot about the man. And if I see the family, I, I can tell you about the man. And according to this book, the, the man is supposed to be ruler, ruling his house well. Because if he can't rule his house well, how is he going to rule, lead the church of God? That's the book. So I, I took my family for that, but I, I took my family just to keep temptation away. I had my wife with me. And so her husband is known. When they've looked at the wife, they've seen how she carried herself. They've seen how she, again, fell into subjection to her own husband. I, I've seen it out there, you know, and where they get into... In fact, my wife, uh, we got into it one time at, our, at a meeting at Island Ford, and some of the other like men going into the church seen us out there I was out by the cooker, and she was, we was having a, one of those moments. And we, and so this preacher seen us and kind of like, mm-hmm, you know. And later on, after we made it, we went to that preacher and said, well, look, we're sorry that you've seen that. Because we wanted him know that we got things right. Because he could have taken that and said, oh, them bells, you know, you know the way she was up in his face, <laughs> so on and so forth, and. And, I mean, he could have really run with that. But, like I said, we got things right, and we went to him. Because he's the one that seen us. We wanted to make sure that he knew that everything was good. We're all in our... But looking at her, looking at my children, is everybody in their place? Because that says a whole lot about me. Just like the, the, the gates here. A virtuous woman, the husband is known in the gates because of what she does. How she acts. Where she falls into subjection. Submission. And then finally here, verse number 28, her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. Now again, our text says that he gives honor to his wife. Here he is, is he's, he's uh, what is it? He, call, he rises up, calls her blessed, and he praises her. I know I got in trouble for saying it was her reasonable service. I hadn't read this verse of scripture yet about praising my wife for doing her reasonable service. So you clean the house. Ain't that what you're supposed to be doing? <laughs> I said it. I own it. That's not what I should have said. I should have said, praise God. You're doing such a good job around here. I want to honor you for taking care of the home. I want to praise you for just helping, you know. I know it's a lot on you with the children. Minnie Max got them flowers, you know, roses some, but they just got some plain old flowers. They're very, like, $1.99, something like that. But just a little bouquet every now and then, just... 
I want to give you these. Why? Just because. No special occasion. Just because I'm thinking of you, I appreciate you, what you do in our home. I want to honor you. Keep a little honey in the honeymoon. Brother Hall preached that in a sweetheart banquet down at when Brother Shock was preaching. <laughs> and he wound up up on the chair, I mean, and just, I mean, preaching. And the, everybody's eyeballs that big around. He preached on how to keep the honey in the honeymoon. It's a labor, man. And it's not just the big things. I mean, it took me 30 years of being married to finally do something big. We went to Aruba. That was awesome. 30 years. What did we do at 35? We had a little candlelight dinner at the house. And then on Tuesday... We had company on Thursday, but on Thursday, I surprised her with 36 roses. Little things. You don't have to go to Aruba every year, although I wish I could. <laughs> Just the little things. Keep a little honey in the honeymoon. A flower, a meal, a card. You know, when she opens the washer, a little love note. Little things like that. Thinking about you. Thank you for washing my drawers. Huh? <laughs> Little things. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. We're almost done. And I know this, I've, I've heard men just really take this and hammer. The women. Beat them down. I think a woman out of place should be corrected, but at the same time, I, I look at this in 1 Peter chapter 3, husbands and wives, both as an exhortation. You know, hey, look, get right and keep doing right. And Christ is our example. Ephesians 5.24 and it says, therefore, so let's back up. Now, I think 21, and this is another one of those times that I don't like a Schofield Bible because of their little, where they put the little, his little comments. He put the comment between verse 20 and 21 for those who've got a Schofield Bible. So let me read it this way. So... Speaking to yourself, uh, let's see. And be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but be, but be filled with the Spirit. I'm just going to hit this a lick. We hit the wine this morning. I should have went here, right? I, in fact, I had it. My person I know, <laughs> he interprets this. He reads it this way. And be not drunk with wine um, in, in excess. That's not what it says. It says, be not drunk with wine wherein. Pick your words now. Look at it close. Where is the excess at? It's in the wine. 
I know these wine-bibbing so-called Christians that'll take that and say, it doesn't... It says don't drink wine in excess. That's not what it says. It says in wine is excess. And in that wine, it'll cause you to do all those things that I preached about this morning. Just letting you know those words mean something. Read them right. Wherein is excess... But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now this is all one sentence here, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at the semicolon there. See, it ties in. And, and Mr. Schofield separates this. this. The end of the sentence is verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. 21 belongs with 18, 19 and 20. Watch the punctuation. Because I have seen people, because of Schofield's note, and people don't look at the punctuation, they tie in 21. I think 21, yeah, 21 goes with all that, speaking to the church, and they want to tie in 21 with wives and husbands. Submitting yourselves one to another. No, that ain't what it says. He said, all the church submit yourselves one to another. Then he separates it and goes, wives. 21 belongs with the previous verses. 22 says, wives, submit yourselves unto your, there's a word, own husbands as unto the Lord. Where's I going to go with? Uh, verse 24. Uh, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as the church is the head of... Uh, even if, even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the Savior of the body, therefore, because of this, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, there we go, love your wives. Uh, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Giving honor treating them as a weaker vessel, dwelling with them, all ties into that one word, love. Husbands, love your wives. All of 1 Peter 3, 7 falls into husbands, love your wife. In fact, that word love. If you love your wife like you're supposed to be loving them, you're going to dwell with them according to the knowledge. If you love your wife like you're supposed to be loving them, you're going to honor them. If you as the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Verse number 28. Uh, let's just keep on reading. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, talking about Christ, that he might, talking about Christ, present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men. Again, Christ being our example, like I brought out with the women there in chapter 2 of 1 Peter, Christ being our example, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Again, if you love yourself, you love your wife as you love yourself, and you love your wife properly, then you will dwell with them accordingly. 
you will give honor to them accordingly. You you know, as the weaker vessel and as being heirs together. And let's see here. Uh, let's go ahead and hit this one. Colossians. Ephesians, Colossians. And then we're going to go back. Philippians, Colossians. Colossians uh, 3. Colossians 3, 18 and 19. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. And harsh is one of the definitions I looked when I seen bitter. Look, you know, the old adage about Getting more done, you know, you attract more uh, flies with honey than you can with vinegar. The Bible talks about speaking softly. And then we're going to get to the hinder part here in just a second. 1 Corinthians 7. And then we're going to go back to our text and we'll be done. 1 Corinthians 7. Verse number one, it was funny, I'll just say this one. When Elizabeth was like kindergarten at the Christian school, the, the fellow that preached our chapel preached out of this text of scripture. Now this kindergartner who's all ears, when he says in verse number one, now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. And he went on and he's blowing, I mean, he's preaching to the teenagers about keeping their hands to themselves and so forth. But my six-year-old is listening. It is good for a man not to touch a woman. That's what she got. So we're walking into Walmart and I reached over and grabbed Lisa's hand and I was rebuked by my six-year-old. Daddy! <laughs> The Bible says it is good for a man not to touch a woman. I said, but it goes on to say. <laughs> but she was listening. <laughs> Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence and likewise, the wife unto the husband, the wife hath not power over, see, the wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise, also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not the one, uh, one the other, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. But I, and this is not, this is by permission on Paul's part. He says it. This is not a commandment. This is just some good advice from the preacher. And that's what he says here in verse number six. I speak, but I speak this by permission and not by commandment. He knows. He knows the strength of the flesh. That's one reason I took my wife with me. I didn't want to be apart from my wife that long. Uh, except, what is it, the, the 
the word is it? Yeah. That Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. I, many a man has fallen right there. But he deals with prayer here. Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. So the relationship here with the husband and wife as heirs together and the grace, as we read there, heirs together of the grace of life. And he ends the verse there, 20, uh, verse 7, that your prayers be not hindered. Look, if you are, I mean, as heirs together, brother and sister in Christ, heirs together in the grace of, of God, children of God, and sharing that relationship on top of your husband and wife relationship, if you're wrong as a husband and wife relationship, that's going to hinder your walk as a child of God. Physically, as we just read about there in Corinthians, look, it's by consent. Hey, look, honey, I'd like to spend Thursday, Friday, and Saturday fasting and praying. Is that okay? And vice versa. Consent. And so that your prayers, again, be not hindered there. I'm sorry. Uh, that, where is it? How does it say it? Uh, just had it right here. There we go. That you may give uh, yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again. And then having that right relationship physically and defrauding and, and rendering due benevolence and all that good stuff. But then also just in your walk, the fussing and fighting. You have a squabble with your husband. You have a squabble with your wife. And then you go to your prayer closet and try to pray. Have a squabble and then come Saturday night prayer meeting. You know how far that prayer is going to get off the floor? When it talks, again, we're heirs together. Not only are you husband and wife, but you're brother and sister in Christ. And if your brother has aught with the other brother, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to go to him and make things right. Again, it goes back to our prayer life. You've got to get right with each other. As children of God. Because as your relationship is with a husband and wife, it is going to hinder your prayer potentially, unless your relationship is right. But when you're wrong, you're going to have to get right before your prayer life's right. It's a big, that, that all kind of melts together there. Our prayer life, our relationship, dwelling with them, praising them, rendering or giving them honor, dwelling with them according to knowledge. And of course, always spoke there of the wife to the husband in, submit, in submission and finding their place and their proper place. It's all, all there together, applying it as we ought to apply it in our lives, examining ourselves, everything right with you. 
I appreciate the one preacher, and I mean, you talk about God falling. God just fell in the meeting. He simply got up. He read the passage of Scripture over in Kings when Elisha, the, the great woman that had built the room for Elisha, her, her son had died, and she went to the man of God. God hid it from the man of God, what had happened. The servant asked her, or servant or him, is it, well with, is it well with thee? Is it well with thy son? Is it well, or why the husband is well with thy son? Something along those lines, whatever the passage exactly is there, the questions. And he simply read that passage and just looked. I mean, this was his message. He looked at the, he looked, this is revival service. He looked at, at the church and he asked those questions. Is it well with thee? Husband, and he uses spouse. Is it well with our son? He used that as children. And that was his question. He just read that text, those questions, and God went, and the altars went, because the Holy Spirit saying, is it well with me? Holy Spirit saying, is it well with me and my spouse? Holy Spirit saying, is it well with me and my children? Are the children wrong in the home? That's a whole other message. I'm going to get there. That's a good question tonight. If we're talking about husbands and wives, hopefully it's well. She was saying it was well by faith. Her, her son was back there dead. But she said, it's well. I got faith in God. Or maybe she said it shall be well. She had faith that it would be. The man of God went, laid upon her, you know the rest of the story, the child raised from the dead. So, that's the message tonight. I thought we was going to get to the next passage of Scripture. As I was going through it, I said, nope, not going to go. We're just going to deal with the husbands. A little bit of the wives tonight. Relationships. As heirs together. Is it right? If not, get right with each other. Get right with God. That your prayers be not hindered. And your service be not hindered as well. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for the day. God, help us to examine ourselves, our lives, our homes. Get in the right place as husbands and wives the right order, the right um, relationship, going back to love. And we could go to Galatians there, also about um, the uh, charity, all that charity is, love in action. Lord, help us apply that to our homes charity one with another as husbands and wives that we might be what we ought to be in our homes. For as the church, as the homes go, so goes the church. And we know that. Lord, help us to all be right in the right order. Pray and ask that you'll guide and direct in the invitation time. And we ask and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen, amen. We have a song of invitation. The Lord spoke to you anyway. The altars are open.